I sound? Do I sound normal? Do I sound like a human? You don't sound normal. Are you are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> as okay as I can be. Um, I wanted to say... Oh, Jack-Jack says thanks for the shout-out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lenny and Larry, man. <laughs> um, and also, I also have you to thank for these phone nuts that I ate because she saw your phone nut review and drove out to get them, and they're delicious. Oh, which ones did you get? Uh, a variety. I had a little bit of the raspberry. I had like an espresso one. I had um, I had some kind of... I had a, I had a lot. It was good. I'm I'm fat now. They're interesting. They're kind of like little bunt cakes. Yes, they're they're really good. I would say they're not quite as good as those ones downtown. What are they called? Um, oh, you're donut talking friend? about donut. Well, donut friends a little different. Donut friends more of kind of this incredibly decadent, decadent very very thick fried donut experience. While Phonuts is more of a... Health-conscious version? A little less. I guess they're baked, and they're cakey, and they have an icing, but they are they're, yeah. they have a sophisticated vibe. The, yeah, Donut Friend is more of a just a, an explosion of just... Right, shock and awe. Yeah, shock and awe. Very, very good stuff. Sugar but, and fat and delicious things. You get kind of this insane sugar high from a Donut mm-hmm. Friend donut. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's an addictive experience. Um, no, but phone nuts are delicious, too. A more nuanced, flavorful palate. Uh, anyway, that said, I think if you're going to make this the Uncanny Valley episode, you should definitely intro it with some theremin music. And then you could, you know, you have a, you have a great radio announcer voice. You could do like a Twilight Zone intro, right? By the way, have you ever thought of doing voiceover? I think you're great at voiceover. People have asked me. You Who should knows? Def- like you now have so much voiceover experience that you should like put together your voiceover reel and have that as like one of your many talents. The, the voiceover community doesn't want to hire vegans. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can go undercover for your dietary choices. So yeah, I I thought about like what we would talk about this week and uh something inspired me. And what, it had to do something with something too real. Yeah, yeah, it had to do with this shrimp. Ugh. <laughs> you know, you always get this question as a uh, creator, and it's like, why are you vegans always trying to recreate dead animals? You know, the animals you're trying to protect. How dare you? Why are you doing this? And you go, well, you get tired of answering that question. But I mean, I maybe you can answer that question. Uh, why I do mean, you why do you why do us vegans recreate dead animal carcass to consume? Because meat eaters say, "I draw the line at this. I just cannot give up the following things," uh, and so we're trying to throw them a bone and accommodate them and give them what they want in an ethical form. I think there's more to it too. I think that a lot of vegans see, I don't know, big culture. And like, let's say like they see people waiting in line at In-N-Out Burger. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to kind of recreate that culture through like a Monty's Good Burger. Yeah. And have that experience. So it's like, look, you have your In-N-Out Burger, which we, you know, do, do not really 100% <laughs> approve of. Obviously, we don't approve of it. But we see that Zero percent. Yeah, yeah. Zero percent <laughs> approval rate. But we see them 
in their culture. You have your in and out. We have our Monty's. You know, we, we can, pay three times as much, <laughs> but at least our hands are clean. <laughs> and I'm sure that Monty's tastes better than in and out. Uh, it tastes delicious. I don't. I, mean, I don't think I've ever had in and out, so I wouldn't know what to compare it to. But from you know, I've I know meat eaters who have had Monty's, and they're like, "Oh, this is good." And I know meat eaters who prefer Impossible Burgers over real burgers. You know, there's yeah. some people that don't like the sliminess of eggs that are meat eaters, mm-hmm. omnivores, and they enjoy just egg because it doesn't have the slimy quality. It's still very similar to egg, but it's just not slimy. Yeah. My, my cousin, who doesn't care about ethics, <laughs> yeah. does care about grossness. And so he tends to go for the vegan options when they're at um, pricing parity, just because it's not, like, yucky to think about the, like, bloody dead animal. Okay, so our, if you haven't already realized it, our subject is when vegan food crosses a line and gets too real. <laughs> mm-hmm. And We, uh, we yeah. use the uncanny valley um, metaphor, and that's, like, originally something from robotics, where... Like a robot that looks obviously like a robot can be cute and endearing. And then the closer and closer it gets to being human, you start to shudder a little because it's like almost human, but not human. And you feel like this weird, like Jungian um, anxiety over it being like so close to being human, but not. And there's something off about it and it creeps you out. It started in the 70s. There was this scientist named Masahito Mori. Mm-hmm. And he was a robot scientist. He made robots. And then he realized that people really were endeared and loved like the, the robots that did not look like real robots. They looked kind of comical. And then when robots got a little too realistic but would move in strange forms or move strangely, people would get maybe even a form of revulsion. It's like the Chucky doll, right? It's yeah. like there's something creepy about it. Um, and that also applies to, let's say, uh, CGI. When you're looking at a movie and the CGI is weird and like, this is not right. This is not, humans don't move this way. Humans don't, their their facial features aren't that way. Well, the same thing applies to food. And right. especially when we are looking at, let's say, uh, um, you know, a, a artificial meat or a, a fake cheese. And so, I mean, I'm sure there's so many times as vegans, we bite into something like, wait a minute, <laughs> what is this? Am I eating yeah. real food or not? It's only in the last half decade that the technology has gotten to the point where it's, for some people, nearly indistinguishable. And that's where, you know, the first time I had a Beyond Burger after not having meat for decades i was creeped out i the first thing that came to mind was the uncanny valley and then only gradually did i get kind of used to it and allowed my mind to separate it from a bleeding carcass like no this really is derived from plants it's okay the more realistic meat is the impossible meat because Mm -hmm. it has the hem it has that soy hemoglobin yeah that actually bleeds and it seemed like you re- you are handling like dead meat so and it, so i it think smells yeah, definitely like raw meat too doesn't it yeah well sort of. impossible meat definitely gives you this kind of raw meat <laughs> vibe we have to conquer that uncanny valley eventually realize like okay well this is not meat this is not made of animal this is not carcass and we just have to start adapting to this and understanding you know 
early on when Beyond and Impossible first came out on the scene, I was talking about them to a lady who was Hindu, and she had never had beef. So when she tried the Impossible burger, she was like, oh, this tastes good. It's like, you know, it has it's salty, it's uh, umami, I like the flavor, I've never had anything like it. She had never had a dead cow, so she didn't get creeped out thinking that it reminded her too much of what a dead cow tastes like. So look, if we're all born vegan, uh, we don't have to worry about the Uncanny Valley anymore. Yeah, maybe Uncanny Valley is rooted in uh, some kind of weird perceived notion that we have of what maybe quote-unquote normal is. Mm -hmm. And when we see something, let's say, quote-unquote abnormal or something different, it's, it's just our prejudice speaking and not, you know, a rational thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to this one Asian market and I got these things called konjac curls, which are basically fake shrimp. And they were like fake shrimp. You know, I mean, I don't know. Have you had fake shrimp before or fake vegan shrimp? No, I have some frozen in my freezer and I can't bring myself to cook it because I'm afraid of the uncanny valley. Most vegan shrimp kind of tastes a little salty kind of tastes a little like sea seafood it's kind of tastes a little like shrimp but is it really shrimp it's kind of a little jello-y it's a little you know it it doesn't it's not there it doesn't get to that point it, it is in some ways it's like oh this is a comical variation of shrimp or mm-hmm. what a cartoon would draw shrimp as mm-hmm. it's clown shrimp and i was over at vegan besties talking to one of the guys over there and he was like you got to try the Belief Shrimp. And Belief is this Taiwanese company that makes some ultra-realistic-looking food. Not to mention a rubber chicken. Not to mention... Well, the rubber chicken did taste a lot like chicken. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but it was still comically ridiculously looking like a chicken. It didn't look mm-hmm. like a, a, a real chicken. It just had, uh, you know, chicken vibes. So... I didn't, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, it tastes just like shrimp, all right, I understand that, you know, it was like, and, and not only that, it, it seemed to have a lot of the same ingredients that a lot of the other fake shrimps had, which is uh, mostly this, uh, it's a powder from a plant called the konjac plant, which is this plant that kind of creates kind of its own like little shrimpy gelatin. Flavor. It, mm-hmm. I think they get the shrimpy flavor from uh, seaweed, kelp. Uh, different, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know that kind of umami. I mean, a lot of that's that's sort of a trick too. When we're making, let's say, like mock scallops, you get mushrooms and you you marinate them in soy sauce and seaweed, and you get that kind of seaweedy kind of flavor. It's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, but these particular belief shrimp freaked me out it made me feel very weird yeah and for, well, i remember opening them and i felt like i had like lives in my hand or these little lives or little animals and i'm like okay no they're not i'm here reading the instruction you know <laughs> reading the ingredients like this is not real okay i understand that i cooked it and just biting into it it had that i don't know structure that i remember shrimp having that texture yeah, and, and again, I mean, I can also see this being perfect for people that are allergic to shrimp or allergic to shellfish and or people that are kosher that don't, don't eat shellfish that want to have that experience. It would be a perfect replacement for them. But I had this kind of almost revulsion of like, 
biting into it, I felt like I was biting into something that was that, that was previously alive. And then the shrimp turned to you and they said, how dare you? You have taken us from our lives. You have harvested our souls. I did make a good TikTok and we almost got a million views on it. So that's one uh-huh. thing. <laughs> but regardless of that, I still had a lot of shrimp. So I'm like, what should I do? Maybe I need to feed them to Mike Keller. <laughs> well, I'll try a shrimp. I tried to cook them in different ways to say like, well, what if I like chop it up? So I chopped it up in like kind of a, a shrimp paste and that worked out a little bit better because it was more paste-like. Um, Ew, you pasted them? You you ground them into a paste? Well, no, but that's actually a, a, a really great dim sum. In fact, I haven't. I actually did a video of it. I haven't put it up yet, but it's a, a video of making these these really cool little like shrimp paste drumsticks. These ingredients. It's amazing to have certain ingredients because you're able to make like amazing, interesting food. But I could not get past the fact that it tasted too much like shrimp. It it was like hitting into some kind of brick wall per se. Mm-hmm. And no matter what format, I mean, the shrimp paste was a little bit better. And then we put it in spring rolls. Mm-hmm. Did that mask the creepiness? No, and no, it made it even creepier because wow. it made it seem even more realistic. They, Yeah, they look like little trapped souls. This is like the <laughs> HP Lovecraft soy chithulu, you know? I don't, you know, they're not soy. They're actually made of a different material right. than soy but but again i mean yeah no it, it, i the the, the I just, thing this would make a really cool horror cartoon or something but the thing that really made it real was the texture you can't almost describe you just have to feel that texture maybe to some people some food is too realistic hits too close to home yeah you know, when it comes to like impossible meat you know, they tell you to cook it, you know, I don't know, two, three minutes on each side and things like that. I always hammer it. I always cook it way too much because for me, I don't want to see the bloody, you know, goo. I, I want to I cook that out and then just have a nice kind of crispy, crunchy, you know, exterior and have, have that kind of fake burger. And, and I also do have, feel comfort when I'm eating something that's, that's necessarily not created in a lab if if i feel the the specter of eating like something that is a dead animal i feel revulsion so of course they they just those shrimps just got too close they just they they went into that Mm -hmm. valley and they stayed there so the you know some people like this is either uh, a pitch for how disgusting and how you don't want it or for some people they'll be like great it's so accurate and i do like eating shrimp so hooray I've been vegan for for over 10 years, so maybe that's the other element where having food that's not realistic is comforting to me versus mm-hmm. having food that's uber, uber, uber realistic. Uh, I mean, I've said this a million times, but I, I really think the next step is for things to not bear any resemblance to the old way of eating, which is dead animals. Like, just everything can have its own new taste commerce and and the society is sort of always geared towards mass appeal and right, and yeah, that's yeah. why all this stuff like beyond meat and impossible meat and violife cheese and chow cheese and field mm-hmm. roast and all these you know small companies that are have been absorbed by larger companies are making things that are very similar to the meat products and and they're scaling so they're similar prices as well so they're they're you know they're yeah. they're not really aimed at us vegans they're aimed no. at the no the, i'm saying the broad as society, society 
yeah. evolves, we will have less and less need to uh, to providing people with like caveman food, which also leads us to something we've discussed, you know, a few times in, on this podcast before. But also, it's sort of something that is inevitable and uh, you know into the future, which is the concept of the cultured meat and the idea that. Mm-hmm. They could make meat that is indistinguishable between well, molecularly identical. Yeah, yeah molecular. Yeah, identical meat from a meat grown in a lab versus meat that was killed in a slaughterhouse, and it would be basically the same thing. So that's, that's uh, definitely an uncanny valley situation, ready to happen. Or maybe it's not even an uncanny valley. Maybe it's, it's just, just meat. The it's meat is meat. It's this meat or that meat, and. For people like us that have, you know, pushed away the meat, you know, it's like, no, no. (laughs) But for people that eat meat or, again, someone like, say, back to the shrimp, you know, someone who loves shrimp and is allergic to shrimp and then, oh, I have an opportunity to make that Creole that I like to make or, Mm -hmm. you know, I love making, you know, hargau dim sum and now I can eat hargau now. Gives certain people opportunities and then it freaks out and scares certain people like myself. Uh, Of course, that's where I I first brought up this Uncanny Valley thing. It, It felt immediately like a shuddering, uncanny experience. It's like the, I regret, it's, I felt like I went backwards. I'm like, oh, this is my old self, back when I was bad. But then what happened? You decided to eat another one? I mean, what's wrong with you? Uh, well, no, n- <laughs> knowing that it isn't bad, I didn't have a moral qualm eating it. So I'm like, oh, I'll give it another try. You know, I was, I was actually upset that a lot of the restaurants that had regular old-fashioned veggie burgers very mm-hmm. quickly phased out their veggie burgers. And so your only option was an impossible burger. Or so I, beyond, had to, yeah. I had to get used to it or not have an option there. You know, when Impossible came out, it came out in such a weird, slow roll. I remember it was at this restaurant called Umami Burger. Mm-hmm. And I remember going there and I'm like, I'd like to get the Impossible Meat Burger. Is it vegan? Well, our bun isn't vegan. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, well, can I get it like maybe with wrapped in the lettuce with some ketchup? Oh, our ketchup isn't vegan. We put That's anchovies so in our ketchup. I'm like, I like, okay, you know what? Just how about your fries? What are they, what are they fried in? You know, duck like, fat. Yeah, but it, but it was a situation I remember not order the, at at first like because the Impossible Meat Burger was only at this one particular restaurant mm-hmm. for, for the that really upscale time. burger place. Yeah, it was kind of didn't really understand the spirit behind Impossible Burgers. Apparently, the yeah uh, the 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 upscale burger place that decided to to surround the Impossible Meat Burger with everything that was animal even the ketchup i mean who puts anchovies in their ketchup come on now gross i i find it irritating like when i first i was so excited at first to go to carl's jr when they first had a beyond burger it was like a groundbreaking because it was like the first mainstream fast food nationwide restaurant with a burger like that and the employee was misinformed they were like this ketchup sauce is fine I had it with the ketchup. You know, I had no mayo, no cheese, because I already knew that wasn't vegan. The ketchup sauce, they call it, like, secret sauce, but it had, uh, like, egg in it or dairy or something. It was not vegan. 
you have to do your research online a lot of a lot of people yeah i guess you just can't take their word yeah Yeah. i was once the uh i once went to jack in the box years ago and they told me that the meat is only made of soy apparently it had a lot of soy filler but it also had beef in it so and that was the manager like you know you're the manager you've been there for a while you should know these things i mean i think that online there's so many great resources yeah, now the way. that are very specific about what you can order and what you can't order. And, 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 and so that's the other thing. You have to sort of just trust that, but also understand that your Beyond Burger is probably be cooking on the same yeah. grill as the meat burgers and understand that, you know, your Kentucky Fried Chicken, fake chicken fried is in being same, fried in the same yeah. You know, I mean, that's just one of the casualties of eating out in a restaurant. If you're going to make that commitment, you're going to have to understand that the food is going to be the food's going to be prepared a certain way. It's going to be cross contaminated. Yeah, but that's so much different than actually just biting into something. And okay, I mean, I I mean, I'm sure. I mean, that's that's another thing. I mean, I feel like as vegans, we we've been we had an experience too where we bit into something that was meat i mean it always happens no matter what it's it's and and we get disgusted we spit it out or whatever you know or something but or we ate something and we realize oh you know and then we feel gross like for right you know two three days and then when we send it back like the employees look at us like we're the bad guy So anyway, yeah, so that's it, man. So yeah, so um, I, I guess we need to start getting used to eating uber-realistic food or, or staying away from it. As long as we know that it's clean, you know, it's, it's, it's kosher, it's clean, whatever it tastes like, we don't have to worry. You know, it's, it's just the main point is that it's ethical food. All I know was I had the rest of that shrimp in a Tupperware container, and every time I looked at it, I shuddered. <laughs> yeah, and they, they stared at you. They were like, mm, you're shady. Yeah, you're guilty. Anyway. We're real. Anyway, all right, man. Well, so that was it. So, so Mike Heller, what did you have for lunch? <laughs> uh, well, in addition to Soylent, I had a phone nut, thanks to you. <laughs> 